You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In the first half against the Green Bay Packers, we saw the full potential of what the Chicago Bears could have been this season. In the second half, we saw what the Chicago Bears actually are this season. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter, at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, at Locked On Bears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today and every day. Win, lose, or draw. We are here for you on the show today. We look back at the loss to the Green Bay Packers, starting with just some of what was a, a, a strange borderline wacky game at times. It was exciting. It was disappointing. It was so many different things. It was definitely one to remember, even in a loss, just one that we'll remember as kind of being so abnormal in Bears-Packers history. So we'll start with just some of all that. Then we'll get into this Bears offense, how they were able to get some points going there early on in the first half there, big second quarter, where there was still definitely some real shortcomings and how things kind of fell apart in the second half. And same thing with the defense. Strengths, where we saw some some things to actually enjoy and where they were making some progress. And, of course, then how we end up getting to a 45-point score and, and some of the real issues trying to slow down Aaron Rodgers and company. But I... I this game was so much more defined by special teams. And maybe we should have anticipated some of that, given that just like the Packers special teams generally has been poor, not only this season, but in very recent history, and I know just a lot of like this decade has been bad Packers special teams. But I don't think even, you know, Packers fans are, we shouldn't have even expected that level of like, awful special teams, the way the Packers special teams kept giving the Bears everything they wanted. And I think that helped inflate quite a bit of, I mean, the offensive, what felt like the offensive performance, in addition to the actual physical points that special teams did put on the board. But like the punt return touchdown from Jakeem Grant, he fielded, I think they officially said he fielded at the three yard line. I mean, when he catches that ball, it's like your, your, your first reaction is like, oh no, like why did he just catch it inside of the five? let it bounce into the end zone for a touchback or whatever. But maybe by that stage of the game, you're feeling a little bit more like, okay, Packers special teams, screw it. Let's see what happens. And of course, shades of, I I hate to make the comparison, but we've already heard others say it. I mean, it felt more like some of those Devin Hester punt returns, just in terms of speed and the improbability of the sort of like the, oh no, oh no, oh yes, touchdown somehow, some way against the bad special teams unit. But I mean, it was incredibly fun to watch. Jakeem Grant's speed in this game, not only on the punt return touchdown, but then the sort of like the jet sweep pass coming across the middle that Justin Fields had to him where he went, what was it, I think 47 yards for a touchdown on that play and just this whole slew of blockers in front of him. Somehow they got like three offensive linemen and a running back and a couple of wide receivers creating this wall of blockers downfield. And that's not to take anything away from what Grant did himself on that play, which was great speed, making guys miss and and shooting some gaps to where Packers defenders weren't able to get there, but also some help from some blocks downfield, not only on that play, but on the punt return touchdown too. Damian Williams had a great one 
deep, deep downfield, the, the sort of that last one is spring Grant to really just have the foot race down the sideline at that point. Really exciting to see his speed in action in this game. But then more special teams, you know, strangeness, weirdness, things that played out really well in the Bears' favor. The 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 reco- the muffed punt by Amari Rogers for the Packers that was immediately scooped up and and ran in. I mean, what felt like it was ran in for a touchdown at first by I believe Damian Williams, if I remember right, like right into the Bears' hands, and that was right after. More of this, and we'll get into the offense a little bit, but right after that that decision to punt on fourth and inches in the fourth quarter, you know, down 11 or whatever it was at the time, some real real question marks there. And, of course, that one called back, not only called back because you're not allowed to advance a muffed punt, but then also called back for the penalty on Kendall Vildor going out of bounds and coming back in. That was definitely a mm, borderline at best Penalty, if not complete BS. I mean, it depends on how you want to call it from a referee standpoint, but like, yikes. I mean, that's more weird special teams that was even more exciting than kind of reduced some of the excitement. Same thing on the onside kick in the end of the fourth quarter. Khalil Herbert just took off with it. I mean, picked it up and ran it in for a touchdown again. Called back. I mean, again, there's sort of by rule, that one not by penalty, but that excitement and just like the strangest of like, of course, the Packers special teams blows it again in that situation and gives you, I mean, just this 1% chance hope like, oh, well, wait a minute. Bears got the onside kick. They just need a touchdown. Another one of those Packers special teams not going to be able to get that one, right? I mean, of course, they haven't been able to figure any of this out. So maybe just maybe, right? It gives you some of that that juice back in the game. And then even just Herbert in general had a couple of long kickoffs returned like past the 40-yard line, gave the Bears much better field position and, and helped the offense produce as much as it did in this game. But it, it just it was nice to see the Bears' speed finally overall utilized from, from Herbert on those returns, from Grant on the returns, from Grant on the jet sweep, and even Demir Bird getting in on the action with the, the sort of the Justin Fields responding to the pick six coming back in the next drive hitting Demir Bird on like out of the backfield on a Texas route you know fakes it outside and then crosses the middle of the field and then it's just a catch and run to the end zone I mean the Packers were just kind of out of position at that point and get the ball into the hands of your fast players in space over the middle of the field it's kind of something we've been looking for them to do all season and certainly not never going to predict that you know Demir Bird and Jakeem Grant would be the touchdown scorers for not only your Bears offense but then also on special teams I think all of your Bears touchdowns came from Jakeem Grant and Demir Bird in this game. I mean, just a kind of a weird overall performance, but I mean, it was fun. It was a fun first half. And even, of course, as disappointing as the second half was, we haven't had a lot of fun halves for the Chicago Bears this season. So I hope I hope you were able to enjoy it a little bit. I hope maybe you didn't get your hopes up too high, but you could at least enjoy it for what it was in those moments, because then we kind of returned to reality in that second half and beyond. The offense kind of falling apart. The defense also falling apart kind of all at the same time. We'll take a closer look at both sides of the ball, starting with Justin Fields and his performance, some of the play calling, running game, etc. next on Locked On Bears. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle. And really, I think it's a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream. 
And it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch all of your favorite sports, movies, and TV shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes between this device and that device to get your TV to be on the right channel and the right HDMI input and all that stuff. No need to buy another one of those devices ever again either. And the best part is you're not going to be locked into any kind of annual contract. You can completely pay as you go with direct TV stream. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. It felt like the Bears were varying their offense by package quite a bit in the first half, and some of it felt a little cutesy, you know, a little too cute sometimes, and some of it worked. You know, they went to the the Wildcat David Montgomery quarterback thing a couple times early on and didn't really have much luck with it, but then, you know, they were able to kind of get things going with fields a bit more. As the game went on, then they came back later to the one where you split your offensive tackles out wide and throw the screen, and Jenkins got called for a hold, and it was just, I don't know, it did it did feel like in the second quarter, the, the play calling was coming together. There was a rhythm to this offense. You know, the throws were, were stacking on each other. You were getting some of the running game involved. Fields scrambling quite a bit more with his legs being a, a bigger part of the offense, I think, than it had been in, in some of these recent games that he had been playing in. But I, I wasn't left feeling as great about... Justin's performance as maybe I was hoping to and I'm I'm struggling with this a little bit because like he did have some really nice stretches there and the statistically right not a bad not a bad showing at all but they were certainly inflated by yards after catch from Jakeem Grant on the jet sweep where that's not a a difficult pass it's literally a, a basically an extended handoff but goes down as a forward pass and so Fields gets all 46 of those yards on the Grant's touchdown and then you know the one to Demir Bird was an accurate on target good throw over the middle of the field but it was only about you know what five to eight yards past the line of scrimmage is where Bird caught it and then Bird did the rest right good throw from Fields but Fields didn't throw it 54 yards Fields threw it six yards or whatever it was and Bird ran the other 45 plus so like those don't go. Those don't strike me as like great Justin Fields throws, and that that was been sort of like the theme I've been following along for a lot of the season with Fields is like when there have been mistakes, there have been these like really really impressive, difficult NFL caliber downfield throws from Justin Fields where you're like, yes, those are the plays that remind you and prove to you and all those things that he he can be something special at the quarterback position, and and I. I didn't really find myself seeing a lot of those having watched this one live. Right? I think in the fourth quarter, like gar- I mean, call it garbage time if you want, but when the, ba- when the Bears were down a couple scores and the Packers softened, softened their coverage a little bit more, Fields hit a couple more of those downfield throws that you could really feel good about. But like outside of those, it was a lot of like shorter, quicker underneath completions. And those are good. You want those and you need, you need those in the NFL. But, you know, when you have... Some, some noticeable negatives. I want some very clear, also, like, super above-average positive to kind of outweigh them. And, like, that pick six was bad. That was a really bad throw. It was late. It, it, he was staring down the receiver, and Douglas saw it the whole way. Like, the ball needs to be out before Mooney is out of his break. And Mooney had already been, like, he had made his cut and was already working the sidelines as Fields is still winding up. And du- I mean, it was an easy read and an easy pick six for Rasul Douglas at that point. And then later on in the game, Fields had a very similar throw where it wasn't to the outs, but it was, I think it was Robinson, or was was it Mooney again, 
kind of come running like a slant that turns into a curl, and he stares it down and is super late. It might, I can't remember which receiver it was, and he throws it very, very late to where Douglas, again, can see it the whole time, doesn't have to even like be super aggressive because he can just wait for Fields to start winding up and then attack it because the ball needs to come out early. And Fields has never been that quick rhythm timing passer. Right? That's why the downfield throws are so important and why it's, it was frustrating early on for Nagy to try and turn Fields into more of that. But these are also supposed to be easier types of throws. And it just felt like, he, boy, there, there were some real difficult ones. Or even like his first throw of the game was you know inaccurate, just a short out to Allen Robinson. It's like, I'm not going to kill Fields for it and say it was a terrible game or anything like that. But like those were some real solid rookie mistakes. And I, I wanted a little bit more extra downfield juice passing type impressive plays and I just I, I I wanted something more I don't know I it wasn't didn't quite give me the same feeling I got from some of the other performances that maybe you know like against the Steelers or whatever where there's just like some wow throws in addition to the occasional inaccurate passes here and there so it's just a it's another it's another game on the on the field's evaluation right it's not a sweeping judgment on what he is or isn't as a quarterback at this point I think a couple of things one it was his first game back from injury Hadn't been practicing a ton, you know, because he'd been injured. So I'm willing to give him some of the rust and timing stuff there. And then also the rib injury didn't really seem to be affecting him in terms of taking hits, scrambling, doing all the normal things. He didn't never look like he was in pain or struggling. So I, I'm, I'm not really ready to use it as like an excuse, but it's, it's potentially a factor in there I'm willing to consider. And then I also look around and see, well, the Bears only handed it off to David Montgomery 10 times. And I think it was only once in the second half. And, uh, that's not the, the offensive identity we were used to. You know, they came out early in this game with a lot of, a lot of passing and a lot of empty backfields and stuff, too. And they ended up throwing it to Montgomery to get the ball in his hands, and that's good. And I think, you know, they're, they're able to recreate some of the same effect of the running game. But, like, I, I wanted less pressure on fields in this game. And speaking of pressure on fields, offensive line had a rough go. I mean, it was, and it was not just Tevin Jenkins. I mean, it was Cody Whitehair had a bad game. Sam Mustafer had a bad game. Larry Borum was okay. James Daniels was okay. But then, you know, Jenkins was uh, very clearly a rookie in his first NFL start. Welcome to the NFL. Had some bad pass blocking in there. And then, of course, the penalties, four of them, a couple of holds, and I think a couple of false starts. I, th I thought the Bears did not do him very many favors in terms of giving him help. Not a lot of... Double teams over there, not a lot of chips. I mean, it's some chips, but not really. A lot of those ended up feeling like he ended up being one-on-one -on -one quite a bit and struggled quite a bit. And I'm not going to kill him for struggling in his first game against a good set of outside linebackers. But, you know, we kind of predicted it on this podcast. We said it three or four times, like, hey, chances are Jason Peters is going to get hurt and Jenkins is going to go in there. Was not wishing an injury on Peters, was not hoping for an injury on Peters, but just you heard it here first. Like It was bound to happen, so... Might see more of Jenkins moving from here on out, and I think it's only uphill from here. I guess not only uphill, only yeah, it's only only gets better from here for uh, for Tevin Jenkins. I would think, given some of the struggles he had in this game, should settle in a little bit more as things goes on. Hard to say the same about this Bears defense. There's you know there was some good in this game, and obviously plenty of bad. We'll go through the struggles in the secondary, and maybe some some things to like in the in the front seven here and there next on Locked On Bears. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, and sometimes I think even tastes better than, than some candy bars. Of course, Built Bar, the maker of the world's best tasting protein bar. Every single one is covered in 100% real chocolate. They're soft, they're easy to chew, they truly are delicious. I, 
I have them in substitute of like candy bars. I have them as dessert. Sometimes it'll be a, a midday snack. I, I really just have to limit myself to eating one a day because they taste so good. And I could go through a whole box <laughs> way, 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 way too quickly. But they, they come in a bunch of delicious flavors. Raspberry, mint brownie, cherry, cookies and cream, peanut butter brownie. I have coconut brownie chunk in my cupboard right now. And they have actual brownie pieces in, in addition to it being the coconut built bar. It is an elite combination. You can't find another protein bar product that tastes this good and is this good for you. Low sugar, low calories, high fiber, high protein. You can't beat it. Try it for yourself. Head on over to built.com. Enter in our promo code locked 15, and you're going to get 15% off your next order. That's promo code locked 15 for 15% off at built.com. The Chicago Bears came close to a sneaky late backdoor cover of the spread at betonline.ag, unable to quite get there at the very end. I believe it was a 12-point spread was where all was all said and done at BetOnline, so Bears losing by 15. Couldn't quite get there, but hey, they blew that over-under out of the water. The over-under was set at 43 points, and heck, the Packers scored more than 43 points in this game. It was the second-highest scoring Bears-Packers game ever, I think, if I saw the stat right on Twitter, at least since, since the 1990s. But betting on the game makes it that much more exciting, especially when the team's winning in the first half. If you want to bet on Bears football or any other sport this season, head on over to betonline.ag. It's the number one place we trust, number one place we recommend for all of your betting needs, plus your favorite Vegas casino games online as well. Sign up today for a free account and enter in our promo code LOCKEDON, and you're going to receive a free 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. They will give you free money to bet with at betonline.ag, where the game starts. It's hard not to look at this final score and say the game started with, or not say the game started with the Bears defense, right? Anytime you give up 45 points, you're just not going to win in the NFL. And I guess seven of those points came on Razul Douglas's pick six, so Bears defense gives up 38. Still not good, right? Let's, I mean, let's make that clear on the, on the front end. It was not a good Bears defensive performance uh, on the whole. And really, it's hard not to just keep pointing at this Bears secondary. It was, I mean, it was rough. And it's, I mean, every secondary has trouble with Aaron Rodgers. And you know, 341 yards and four touchdowns and perfect pass, not perfect pass rating, but 141 pass rating. I mean, he, he torched him. I mean, he really took down wherever he could find vulnerability. And a lot of that was in the slot. You know, Xavier Crawford at first getting smoked on the double move down the sideline, getting smoked in the red zone, ends up getting hurt on the one where Eddie Jackson ran into him, which, again, what happened to Eddie Jackson's ability to, like, take an angle on a pass like that and not run into his teammate but run into the receiver and tackle him? I mean, just frustration kind of continues with him. But then, you know, Crawford gets hurt. Houston Carson goes in there. He gets hurt. So then Eddie Jackson ended up being your slot cornerback down the line. It's hard to really blame injuries, though, for how this secondary played because they've been kind of playing like this for most of the season, and these are mostly the guys that the Bears started with at the beginning of the season. I mean, Artie Burns was bad. You know, I, I will say the Jalen Johnson versus um, Devontae Adams battle was fun. Right? There were there were a couple of those plays early on where Jalen Johnson won, and the first time, you know, they were looking for flags, no flags thrown. Great, great job by Johnson in coverage. Second time, flag was thrown for offensive pass interference. A couple of those one-on-ones, like Jalen Johnson was was hanging in there. I mean, Adams was getting his yards against Crawford and Burns, and then you know, they'd move him around, and especially in the second half, great adjustments by Matt LaFleur to move 
Adams around a little bit more and change up the route concepts a little bit more to free him up against other defenders. But then, boy, the goal line play where it's Johnson one-on-one on the top of your screen. Collinsworth calls it out before the snap. Everyone knows where that ball is going to go, but no one knows for sure which direction the ball is going to go. And that's so impossible to defend on an island like that. You know, Devontae sold the fade with for like three steps, and Jalen attacked that fade, and he was so ready for that end zone fade to Devontae Adams. And then somehow Adams turns on a dime, turns it into a slant, blows by Johnson for the easy touchdown. And it's just, I mean, yes, it looks terrible for Johnson. And it's it's one of those highlight reel-type plays for Adams, and it's great route running. And I just, I don't know what you're supposed to do if you're Jalen Johnson. You can't play both of those routes. You can play one. You know, you line up on the inside, and you can and you can be ready for that slant. But if he goes to the fade, he's going to smoke you to the corner of the end zone, and it's going to look bad. So then in, when Adams clearly starts going to the fade, of course you have to go attack that fade, because otherwise it's going to be a touchdown. So then when he s- slides across your face, I mean, the only thing you can do is interfere, right? Grab onto him, tackle him, I guess. is, is I, I just I don't know what you're supposed to do there for, for any cornerback. It's just I feel for Jalen Johnson. It's not a good play, but it's like... Man, when he had done so well against Adams for so much of that game, to be sort of exposed in that way in a play that everyone watched, they showed the replay and, was you know, he wasn't getting clowned for it essentially, but, I mean, it's just, man, kudos to Devontae Adams for being such a a really good player. But, you know, that's what we talked about in the game plan on Friday's podcast. Like, I I wanted to do everything I could to try and shut down Devontae Adams and make the rest of the Packers receivers beat you and they kind of did that in the first half pretty well and then Adams kind of took away with the second half but like I will give them credit Alan Lazard had 75 yards Mercedes Lewis had 51 and they ran the ball pretty well I mean they ran the ball very well five yards a carry 120 yards rushing but like the running game for the Packers is not what beat the Bears like the running game for the Packers held on to the ball for 10 minutes on that drive in the third quarter you know, that, I mean, yes, so to that extent, like, the running game was good for the Packers, but, like, the running game did not put up 38 points. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that was Aaron Rodgers. The 341 yards to Aaron Rodgers was a lot more important and worse for the Bears' defense than the 119 rushing yards. Like, it, you know, Dylan ran hard, Aaron Jones ran well, but they had a good running game, but, like, that wasn't what cost this Bears' defense, so I'm not going to get too up in arms about the five yards per carry there. I will say credit to Robert Quinn for two sacks, Pretty strong pass rushing game from him. Travis Gibson got in there on a sack. The press rush was there in the first half. Disappeared in the second half. And Quinn was part of that. Gibson was part of that, too. Uh, I think the Packers deserve some credit. They went to more three-step drops, quicker passing to get the ball out of Rodgers' hands to try and eliminate some of that pass rush. They also started running the ball well to reduce the pass rush. But at the same time, you know, the Bears are are injured there. And if Khalil Mack plays in this game, maybe it's a different story. If Akeem Hicks plays in this game, you know, I, I sort of give the Bears pass rush some benefit of the doubt there, plus give the Packers some credit there too. So I'm not going to kill them either, but at least you saw, like, two sacks from Quinn should be good enough. And getting the sack in there from Travis Gibson should be good enough from those two guys individually. Like, they they came to work and they accomplished what you would expect and hope for them to do in that game it was everybody else. And then you know, Roquan Smith gets injured, and the secondary gets injured. I mean, Kyrus Tonga even got injured. and it was, I mean, a lot went wrong for this Bears defense, and, and, and that's kind of what they are at this point. That's what this Bears team is at this point. The first half was fun it, on both sides of the ball, on special teams, on offense. It looked like it was supposed to look. And we've been waiting to see that Bears team for so long, but we, all, we knew the Packers always start these games slow. The Bears always have terrible third quarters. The Packers are always really good in the second half. And, like, I don't know about you, but even when the Bears were winning and they were up, 
10 or whatever it was in the first half. Like, I, I, I knew we knew how that game was going to end, right? I mean, I wasn't sitting here thinking the Bears are going to do it. The Bears are going to do it. Maybe if, it's, if the Bears are up 10 in the fourth quarter, maybe I'll start to believe the Bears are going to pull off that upset. But that game was always just sort of like a matter of time before the Packers stopped muffing every punt and giving up special teams touchdowns and, you know, all the different things that, like, you know, it felt more like the Packers were beating themselves in a lot of that first half and giving the Bears the lead there. I mean, to not be able to catch up to Demir Bird and Jakeem Grant on something. Like, you're not going to beat the Packers with Demir Bird and Jakeem Grant, right? You beat the Packers with Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney having big games, but your number three and number four wide receivers having explosive plays is not going to beat the 9-3 and three or the 10-3 and three or whatever they are, Green Bay Packers. And that's, that's sort of how this game went. The Bears needed more from everybody else and needed to be able to take more, greater advantage of what the Packers were giving them. And instead the bears punt from the 40 yard line in the first half and they punt on fourth and inches in the fourth quarter down 11 points. And it's like those little things that just drive you crazy about the decision-making sometimes that the head coach makes. And of course you can blame the general manager for a lot of the personnel issues, you know, in terms of receivers and secondary problems and lack of pass rush and defensive line and linebacker. I mean, the, the blame goes all around, but those frustrations for both general manager and head coach definitely existed in the second half collapse in this game. Plenty more to break down from this game. Looking forward to going through the tape of the All-22 again as well to kind of dive in a little bit deeper in the coming days. And then before you know it, we have to turn around and kind of keep this train moving. Bears are back on primetime again next week against the Minnesota Vikings, so that'll be fun. We'll catch up with Luke Braun from Lockdown Vikings later this week. As we still have to play the Vikings twice this year. Regardless, hope you'll keep tuning into the Lockdown Bears podcast five days a week. Appreciate you making Lockdown Bears your first listen today and every day. Even when the Chicago Bears disappoint you in the second half, hope the podcast does not. I'm always here to try and take that excitement of the first half and try and keep that in the podcast every single day. Keep you fired up about this team one way or another when they're struggling. We'll help you feel better about the future, about the hope for the future, whether it's the young guys on the team or changes definitely still need to be coming down the line. Hope the podcast is here for you and makes it just a little bit easier for you to bear down.